Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast with me, Christine Cohen. Every week, we will share conversations with humans whose lives have been transformed by the power of movement on their mental health, break down the latest neuroscience, and hopefully inspire you to wake up your inner warrior to fight for the best versions of you every single day. Let's get into today's episode. Hi there, welcome back to today's episode. It is one of the first episodes of 2022, and I'm sitting here recording this intro on Sunday, the day before. Knox is sitting on my lap, purring contently. You might even be able to hear it through the microphone because it's really loud. I like to say he's an aggressive purr. And I have had a fantastic day so far. I got to sleep in a little bit and wake up. I spoke to a client this morning. We spoke about setting her intentions for the year instead of setting hardcore goals, which was a big shift and a challenge for her, is a big shift and challenge for her, but I'm excited to guide her through it. And I had a delicious breakfast and I got my jump rope session in, my jump rope practice, which I would be doing anyway, but with the 30 days of movement challenge, which started yesterday, it is a challenge for me to show up and jump rope uh, for 20 minutes and I can just flip the rope around, I can practice, I can practice a trick, I can drill stuff, it doesn't have to look anyway, but getting my hands on a rope um, for 20 minutes a day is my personal goal because I really want to get this incredible jump rope trick. I posted what it looks like on my Instagram stories the other day. It's like picture... So I can't even describe it. I'll post it there. Go look at it. I actually put it on my vision board as well, a, a picture of the girl doing the trick because it just looks so stinking cool. So that's what I'm working on this month when I'm working on my jump roping. So anyway, how are you? How is the first week of the new year going for you? I have a really good conversation. I'm so excited to start this year off with this conversation with Dr. Arian Missimer. She is my first mentor boss in the fitness industry um, when I was a senior in college. And it was just the first year I became a personal trainer. I was still studying dietetics, nutrition in school. And my senior year, I interviewed to work for her personal training studio that she owned as like a 20-something-year-old woman. She was a dietitian at that time already, and she was studying to become a physical therapist. And I looked at her, and I just thought, like, I want to be her. What she's doing is exactly what I want to be doing, and she's awesome at it, and she was fantastic as a mentor personally and professionally. And um, today's conversation was actually the first time we spoke in probably 13 years, like a long, you know, in-depth conversation to really catch up with each other. So you're hearing that live for the first time. But I finally got to really express to her how much she has made an impact on my life, even in that, you know, 
10 months of working for her and her her power, her impact, her kindness, her um, a willingness to teach <laughs> inspired me so much and still inspires me to this day. So our conversation was a little bit of like nostalgia and reminiscing, but also catching up and and really vibing on what she has done in the last 10 years, the challenges that she has gone through, the adversities that she's gone through, but also how that has really sh continued to shape who she is and what she pours back into this world. And she's incredibly gifted and incredibly smart and incredibly hardworking. And I know that you will be inspired by her story. So I'm so excited to share it with you. I'm just gonna let Knox fall off my lap. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's been a good week over here, first week of the new year. I feel really aligned with what I wanna bring into my life and into the podcast and into my work. I am starting a new course in my certification journey to become a functional medicine practitioner. And that's super exciting. It's just going to allow me to have a better understanding scientifically to meet people where they're at and continue to help them in more quality ways, um, overcoming and resolving anxiety and depression through the natural methods that are that are out there and that are backed by science and that are truly helping people um, recover. Let's just put it that way. So continuing to, to live that dream. And yeah, so we're going to get into the conversation in a hot second. Before we jump in, I just wanted to take a moment to invite you to watch my free workshop, which is called Six Steps to Naturally Improve Depression and Anxiety. And it's actually available to watch instantly. So you're just going to go to freeworkshop.wakeupyourwarrior.com and sign up. I put the link in the show notes to make it easy too. But it's a 90-minute masterclass guiding you through how to resolve the physical causes of depression and anxiety through natural methods, which is all backed by science. And it's really taking you through the step-by-step -step protocol that I use when I work with people one-on-one -on -one and then in the group online program. And then I'm going to explain how inflammation and chronic stress play a role in depleting our systems, our entire bodies, causing depression and anxiety symptoms, how our diet, what we eat, nutrient intake, vitamin levels, how our gut health, hormone levels, and how our brain chemicals and genetics all play a role in causing or just contributing to our mental health or mental illness for that matter. And I'm also going to explain how this process can be used alongside therapy and medications. It's really a complement to traditional ways of healing psychologically. We're just addressing it physiologically. So they really work well together and it just supports your recovery healing from inside to out. Our mental health is way more within our control than we have been taught. And that's what I try to drive home in everything that I do, everything that I pour out. And I hope to inspire and empower you in healing yours. So go check that out. The link is in the show notes below. All right, so I'm gonna do an introduction and then we're gonna get right into the combo. 
Dr. Arianne Missimer is an award-winning doctor of physical therapy, registered dietitian, registered yoga teacher, mindfulness educator, author, and cancer survivor, regularly featured on ABC, NBC, Fox, and CBS. As the founder of the Movement Paradigm, she has been making her mark in the health field for over 22 years. Starting off in personal training, becoming a licensed dietitian, pursuing her doctorate in physical therapy, completing additional graduate work in applied mindfulness, and her training through the Institute of Functional Medicine has allowed her to bring her diverse professional and personal experiences to help her patients heal their bodies and live with vitality. She is the author of Rise Up, a story of a young woman's journey of triumph, the human spirit, and healing through mindset, nutrition, and movement that took her all the way from rape and cancer to TV's most intense competition, American Ninja Warrior. Through the process of healing herself, through the revitalizing power of movement, she has found a way to help others heal their own bodies and, in fact, make it her life's purpose. Please join me, and let's jump into today's episode with Dr. Arianne Missimer. Hi, Arianne. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the Wake Up Your Warrior podcast. I'm really, really grateful and so excited for you to be here. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. It's an honor. We already had like our first um, like meet of the day, you know, like the bride and the groom meet for the first time on their wedding day. We already had that. (laughs) And it was really teary and emotional just for everyone um, who's listening. So this is more of our like staged hello. We saved um, that for you. (laughs) (laughs) It was messy, guys. It was messy. But Ariane and I go way back. um, As I was just telling her, she was my first um, boss, mentor, everything when I was just a baby budding personal trainer in my senior year of college at the University of Delaware. And she um, was so impressive. She ran her own personal training studio. She was already studying to become a doctor of physical therapy. And I just looked at her and I was like, I want to be her. She's amazing. Just teach me everything. And I think I only worked for you for one year. But as I was telling you, you've made an impact on my life personally and career for the last 15 years like seriously and I've loved seeing every bit of your journey (laughs) same likewise proud of you me too for you so my first question I like to ask people just to like break the ice is what are your favorite ways to move your body these days Oh, so my favorite way to move my body these days are I'm preparing for a powerlifting meet. (laughs) Stop. Oh, yes. Yes. So I always try to set a new movement goal about every two years or so, a a new discipline or, you know, competition or something. So, yeah, so I'm going to compete in April. So I've been working the past year to just slowly build up my weights, which has been really fun and very challenging for me. That's awesome. So why powerlifting? What does that give you? What does that do for you? So I've always loved strength training. That's always been, of all the different things I've ever done, strength training has always been my foundation. And when I was, had went through some difficult times when I was 17 years old, that's when I found strength training. And I felt like it gave me my mental, emotional, and physical strength. 
and it kind of gave me my power back. And so I kind of feel like just my journey over the past few years or so, I felt like this is another way for me to just challenge my body a little bit more than I'm used to. And to me, feeling strong is, is not about aesthetics. It's not about, you know, just having muscles. It's really way more about the mental and emotional aspect of it. Yeah, I agree. Um, for me, that was an evolution to come to that experience. Was it like that right off the bat for you or was that an evolution as well? Like you mentioned the first time that you really connected with strength training was when you were 17. What, what was that? Yeah. So I was, um, unfortunately a victim of sexual assault and I, when I started, my friend was just kind of an informal thing. He said, Hey, I'll show you how to strength train. And I remember feeling so lost at the time because I never told anybody about it. And I just was having, carrying this weight on me, Mm -hmm. you know, no pun intended. And I just felt like, wow, I just felt like the world was just so heavy. And so when I started lifting, I said, wow, this feels really amazing because it was just me challenging my body. It was something that was so new. I didn't know how to do it. And I was learning and it was just so many amazing things. So I would say, honestly, for me, it was right off the bat. I felt like, wow, this totally gave me my strength back. And I felt powerful again. I felt like I could keep moving forward. And even though I never told anybody about that incident for years to come, really until I wrote my book, um, I really felt like that helped me get through that really challenging time. Wow. I, going through that, at any age versus going through that as a teenager alone, essentially, um, must have been incredibly difficult. It's, I mean, strength training, that feeling of power in your own body, there's nothing like it. It's priceless. I totally agree. And I, I always, as much as I try to share that with people, it's hard to really have someone really understand it until they really do it. I know words fall short. (laughs) Words fall short. It is so true. It is so true because, you know, going to the gym once or twice a week and lifting, you know, five or 10 pounds, like, isn't really where you feel that power, that, you know, internal power. I feel like it's that journey of it, of really trying to slowly, you know, not without getting too technical, but progressively increasing your weights and your intensity and your volume or whatever it might be for you. And heavy weights could mean 10 pounds or it could mean hundred pounds. Exactly. But it I is. think that journey is just so powerful of just watching even your physical body transform, you know, feeling more confident in your own body. And I think that was part of it for me at 18 is, you know, I felt like, okay, yeah, now I'm feeling more confident. I'm feeling like that's, I'm not going to let that happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That must have, I can see that why it could be such a reason why it changed like the trajectory of your personal career, like everything. Yep. Have you read the book, The Joy of Movement by Kelly McGonigal, Dr. Kelly McGonigal? I haven't, but I should. <laughs> it's, it's really good. Um, okay. It's excellent. And there's one part of it where she talks about how different types of movement like proprioceptively mm-hmm. give us this sensation of our body in space, but like on an emotional level. So like when we lift weight that is freaking heavy, 
we're not, we are physically being strong and then our body and mind embody strong. Like I am strong. And when we dance, like I know you used to do ballroom dancing, maybe you still do. And you're just floating and you're being graceful. You are like, your mind is saying, I am graceful. And you're like reinforcing a new identity every time you are doing any type of movement and activity. And that's really what like draws you back to wanting to do it over and over again because you want to experience yourself as that version again and again and again. Absolutely. Yeah. And that that concept I talk about a lot actually is imperoception, which is your body's internal awareness of self. But every time we're stimulating our fascia through movement, especially when you think of strength training because you're creating this tension, you're transferring force, you're stimulating those interoceptors that have a that are processed in the insula of the brain. So that's where we regulate emotions. So it's this direct, like you said, dancing that you know evokes feelings of happiness, that upward rhythmical motion. So it's so from a science standpoint, and then you could almost say from an anecdotal standpoint, it's 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 all there. It all you know points to the same direction of how movement heals, really. Totally. Like I couldn't have said it better myself. What are some of the other movements that you like to do? And what are those like ways of being those versions of yourself that get to come out? Yeah. So right now it kind of varies, you know, kind of what I'm more focusing on, but like I said, the the powerlifting is the biggest focus, but I also do steel mace, uh, which I love, which is more of you know, me getting into a flow state. Um, so I think that's, you know, using the the kind of art and the strength piece of it together. Uh, really love that. And then I also do aerials. So I do Lyra specifically. And same idea. That's kind of more of that, that flow, which I, I, I really, I feel like I can get into a flow state with strength training, but it's really cool to get into that with those movement-based practices. What's Lyra? So Lyra is a form of an aerial art. So it's actually a hoop. So it's kind of it's called a Lyra hoop. You could you could call it. Um, and so it's really challenging. <laughs> it is uh, super fun. I've been doing it for two, I guess maybe a little over two years now at this point. Um, and I do like a showcase every year. So I just just did one in in um, November. So you do it to a routine. So I did it to rise up because that was the name of my book. So that was really cool. And we and I such a good song. Steel mace into it. So what? I did a little steel mace, did the lyra, so kind of finished with steel mace. So it was really fun to just pull all those together, kind of cre- you know ignite my creative side. <laughs> That's so cool. You're such a badass. <laughs> I don't know about that, but it, it's super fun though. I'm just obsessed with movement. <laughs> You um, are. Yes, that is that's a fact. <laughs> if you were gonna describe, if I was gonna describe you to anyone, that's exactly what I would say. And that's perfect. I'm glad you think that. <laughs> it's <a> true story. <laughs> I just think it's. I think it's so fascinating. There's just so many ways you can move your body and challenge it and have fun with it. Absolutely. Um, and you, yeah, you totally embody that, and I think inspire people to do that, whether you work with them or not, whether they know you or not, if they see you, that is like evident in everything that you do, which is so incredible. Um, So since I have, I guess since we've worked together, a lot has transpired in your life. A lot of amazing things, 
including getting married, including starting the movement paradigm, which is your incredible um, career home that you have created from the ground up. You've become a doctor of physical therapy. You have started or you have become a graduate in applied mindfulness, which I really want to ask you about. And I know you're also almost done with your um, Institute of Functional Medicine training. It's so interesting because like we have not always, you know, stayed in touch, you know, on a regular basis, but our lives have taken um, really like kismet turns in the sense of, I feel like a lot of things that you have done, like I've been doing where I've done after you or been interested in. And it's just really cool to see how that has like interwoven. We were kind of kindred spirits back then though. <laughs> I felt, I felt it at least. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh my gosh. Um, so yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit about the, the things that have grown you, challenged you in the last few years and how you've come through that. Yeah. So like you said, a lot of amazing things. And I always like to look back and say, you know, wow, I've really had, you know, if I, God forbid, if I was gone tomorrow, I don't have any regrets in my life. I don't have anything that I feel bad about. I feel like I've been super, super blessed with, you know, great people in my life, amazing career, businesses that I love, friends, family, so I always kind of like to think about that first because the, the challenges that, that I have had have really helped me to be where I am. And so, you know, I'd say probably the two, I mean, there's been a few, but the two biggest, I think, were when my brother passed away when he was, that, that was a long time ago. That was shortly after when we were together. Um, but that really had a huge impact on my my trajectory of, you know, I watched him lose his lose function of his arm and leg and I watched him lose his own movement and that's what really made me more and more passionate about movement and that I do feel like it's such a gift and our life is such a gift and that we have to really cherish it day in and day out and then fast forward you know many years later uh, just for me about six years ago I was diagnosed with cancer and you know I kind of felt like it was interesting because my whole career and everything about even my personal life was all around health, you know, movement and nutrition and all of it. And so when I got diagnosed, I had this moment of thinking, how could this, how could this happen? You know, how could I be so doing all the right things? And then I get this life-changing diagnosis, which was two months before my wedding, stage three liposarcoma, which is super rare cancer. And there's only 12,000 cases of sarcoma a year. Um, There's no reason for it. They actually, and I did an article for Cure Magazine, and they call it the bad luck cancer, which is kind of interesting. Great. Great nickname. Yeah. I was like, I know that's kind of a, you know, interesting way to look at it. Um, But with that said, I, when I was diagnosed, I kind of, you know, had a few weeks of really trying to process that and obviously super, super emotional. And once I started to wrap my head around it, I was like, you know what, I don't want to just survive cancer, I really want to thrive. And I really want to, you know, do everything that I was going to do anyway, I just had cancer. (laughs) And so we did, my husband and I got married, you know, I had, you know, beautiful blonde wig for my wedding, I'd started chemotherapy before it. Um, 
I did radiation, did surgery, did more chemo. So it was a pretty brutal year. <laughs> um, but I did find movement once again. Uh, my motto became challenge accepted. And I was uh, interested in training for doing ninja training because my husband said, you know, hey, like, you, you know, it, this was actually when we were dating. He said, he was like, have you ever seen American Ninja Warrior? He said, you should be on that show. And I said, no, I haven't seen it. Let me start watching this. So we started watching it. And so then this gym opened up and it just happened to be a ninja gym. And it just happened to be when I was in cancer treatment. <laughs> so I said, you know what? I'm just going to check it out and see if I like it. See if I get a good vibe from the people. And I went in and it was this just like, it just was meant to be. It was kind of like you and I, right? It was just this. I walked in, I said, with my bald head, <laughs> I said, hey, I'm Ariane. I'm just, I'm interested in training for American Ninja Warrior. The owner, Mark, said, he's like, okay, awesome. And I said, well, I'm going through some things. I'm in chemo, still have some radiation. I've got surgery. And he's like, that's all right. We'll just work around it. And he's like, let's start Tuesday. And so I did. <laughs> Started training. <laughs> so I, you are amazing. <laughs> Let's just say that. I, know I know you that. say Crazy, this. Maybe. <laughs> that might be better. They go one. together. <laughs> Sometimes they have to go together. You share the story, and there's so many like moments inside of that time, um, time lapse that I'm like, how did she even get from A to B? Like, how did she even? Because you know, being somebody who, same like movement, health, nutrition, just that's literally like what I get up to do every day is because I enjoy it. Mm -hmm. And to have something totally like knock you off course, um, such as a cancer diagnosis, how, well, first of all, I'm actually, I wanted you to share how you even like realized something was wrong. Cause I think that's really interesting and speaks a lot to interoception. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am like, what helped you get from like just knocked down to um, deciding that you were going to do something like empowering with this or basically not let it identify you from this point forward? Yeah, actually, it was kind of a, a defining moment for me anyway, is that I you know, when I was diagnosed, I was, I was so emotional. I mean, I was, I don't want to make it sound like everything was butterflies and <laughs> rainbows. I mean, I was really, really emotional. I mean, I cried for probably three days straight, I felt like. And, and it, and every time it, what happened was during the diagnosis of anyone's listening and has gone through this, you totally understand it's, you, you know, you go to an appointment and you find out more bad news and then you find out more bad news. And that's kind of what kept transpiring. And so it was, oh, you're going to do radiation. Then it turned into, you're going to do chemo. Then it turned into, now it's stage three. Now it turned into, you're definitely losing your hair. And then it was just sort of like one thing, you're not going to be able to have kids. You know, it was just one thing after the other, after the other. And so that first three weeks, it's just brutal. You just feel like you're getting, you know, the rug swept up from underneath of you. Mm -hmm. And so I, I remember... Like, I mean, I was so emotionally drained, but then I was, I was still, which was, I guess, looking back and I was working out, but I mean, I wasn't, you know, I was sort of going through the motions, we'll say. Mm -hmm. 
And I remember looking in the mirror the one time because I had already started chemo. So I had shaved my head, so I had no hair. I looked in the mirror and I looked so skinny. And I was just, I, I had this moment and I was like, oh my gosh, like I look like a cancer patient. Not that there's anything wrong with that. But in my mind, I felt like I lost, I lost my strength. And, you know, as we talked about, you know, for 10 minutes, that physical strength is my mental strength. And so I had this moment where I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just, I'm, this isn't going to happen. So I'm going to start, I'm going to get back into my routine. I'm going to do my kettlebells. I'm going to, and I just slowly kind of peeled myself out of it, you know, and part of it was timing that I knew what was, I was going to expect. Like I knew I'm going to do chemo and then I have a week break and then I'm going to do chemo. So I started to get a little bit more control of the situation, but that was really it. That was literally, it was one moment where I looked in the mirror and I, I thought, oh my gosh, I look awful. I look just, I looked skinny. I just looked drained. I, I did not look healthy. And I said, I'm not going to go through this. And then I recognized that what has always helped me is movement. And so that's re- that was really it. The way to take your power back. The way to again. take your power back. Yep. Again. <laughs> again and again. It just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's every time I would say when my brother passed away, that was when I found ballroom dancing. And it was like this way for me to express my emotions and, you know, really just be free. And yeah, just so every time I, I always say it's always consistently healed me. <laughs> It is. Mm-hmm. And, and I think your to experience answer your question to about the, um, how I found it, mm-hmm. it was, which, you know, thank you for bringing that up because I do feel like having that internal awareness is so important. I had this pinpoint nerve in my calf, a pinpoint pain, nerve pain in my calf. And it was only if I sat down or if I crossed my legs, kind of like I am now. And it, but what happened was I kept like, you know, I felt it and I thought, well, it's not coming from my calf. It didn't really feel like it was coming from my thigh. I even had some of my colleagues check it, nothing. And so then I kept trying to explore it. I was like, okay, well, how, let me see if I could recreate it. And I, I thought, oh, I just won't cross my legs, but then I'd still feel it when I was driving. And so then I started really feeling, and I feel this huge mass behind my thigh. And it was just above my knee. So it wasn't, I mean, it's just, it's odd that I didn't feel it before, but it what you could only feel it in certain positions. Mm-hmm. So it was had to be so specific, but it was 12 centimeters. So it was massive. And that was it. That was it, just a pinpoint nerve. And then I immediately went to a doctor I knew and I said, hey, I need you to do an ultrasound. He did an ultrasound that day. He said, it's a solid tumor. I need you to get an MRI. And then just, you know, kind of went from there. Yeah. Um, I think so many people just speaking to not having internal awareness, they feel things all the time, but don't even realize it. There's so many, you know, bumps, bruises, pricks, pains. but when you sort of feel subpar all the time, but just feel like that's your norm, yeah. it's very difficult to li- understand or hear a different like tone or a different note being played in mm-hmm. your body that you're like, that's off key. Like something's up with that. That's not how I usually feel. Right. And movement brings so much of that. Yeah, I mean, it. Ha- I think you're right. It's so hard for people to be 
really in tune with what's happening. And, and it is a skill that you have to develop. It's not just something that just happens. It's something that you have to cultivate, you know, whether that's through movement, that's through meditation, that's through breath work, whatever that might be, but to really be silent and to be still and really listen and tuned into, you know what, this is concerning. I should maybe call my doctor about this or, you know, let me pay attention to this for two or three weeks and then decide. But I think, you know, we can all continue to get better and better at that because we have to be our own advocates for our health. Say it again, sister. (laughs) I'll say it over and over again. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So then you're doing chemo. You decide to, what the hell? I'm just going to become an American Ninja Warrior and challenge accepted. Was that the challenge of like doing the American Ninja Warrior? Is that challenge of like, I'm taking on cancer? Like, or was it both? What What did that mean for you? You know, interesting. Thank you, guys. Interestingly, I would say initially it was cancer. And my boss at then at the time had given me bracelets that said challenge accepted. So everybody at my company had was wearing the bracelets. Then at my wedding, uh, my husband got at the, at everyone, friends, all the friends and family, the bracelets as well. So I looked around in the wedding and I thought, I, I said, oh my gosh, everybody, wait, everybody has these on. <laughs> and so it was really, of course, that was me being naive, but it was super, it was amazing though. And I just thought, oh my gosh, what a, what a really cool it was just it was, yeah was like awesome. everyone's supporting you everyone's, everyone's taking it. it on with you yeah and that's that's totally what it felt like and then when I so I was training for training for the show so really all through radiation I would leave radiation and I would go right I'd take the train to Philly do my treatment come back go right to the gym <laughs> so I would I which was just kind of like my routine it was awesome I felt so good during proton therapy and then I did have to get surgery. So that was a big, that was a big bump in the road. So it just, I think more mentally, um, but I, it was my leg. So once I felt okay enough, I was actually, my husband built a gym in the basement. So then I was doing all my ninja stuff. Like I was doing my pull-ups and everything <laughs> with my leg that like was just kind of hanging out. looked pretty terrible. <laughs> what can you do, right? Yeah, do what you could do. And then mm-hmm. I transitioned right into chemo again. So that was kind of a, that was once again, like a really tough time. Um, but I just kept working out as much as I could during that time. I mean, I wasn't hard on myself. I just did whatever I could. But I had been working on my video submission that whole time. So I had all these great clips and I did, I met with a videographer. So I did my interview. And so I submitted my video submission and application for the show on my last day of chemo. So I was in inpatient chemo. I was sitting in bed. I felt like death. <laughs> I mean, absolute death. And I looked over at my husband and I said, Hey babe, I just submitted my application for American Ninja Warrior. <laughs> and he goes, you're nuts. And I said, I know that, <laughs> but it felt so good because I felt so bad, but it felt so amazing to do that. And then I got a call four months after right before the show so less than four months after and then I competed on season eight (laughs) yes you did (laughs) what was that like like being accepted and being there and you're like I freaking did it like whatever happens in this competition it doesn't even matter because like I'm here now I did it it was exactly how I felt I was so I mean it was the most exciting thing I think 
I don't know. I feel like that ever happened. I mean, were you nervous? Oh gosh, yeah. <laughs> God, I was so nervous. I was so intense, Christine. I was like, I was so excited getting there and it, all everything about it. And that's you know, everybody was buying T-shirts, and it was just the whole thing was just so cool. And then I I got there and I was still super excited. But then when it came down, came time to actually compete, I was so intense. I didn't even smile the entire time. I didn't get aired. And everyone said it's probably because you didn't smile. Wait, really? Oh, yeah. I didn't get aired. Oh, yeah. no. I didn't I know. know that. No, it was such a, yeah, I mean, that didn't matter, but it, I was so, when I tell you I was intense, my, my intense look is, it's bad, it's pretty intense. Oh my God, you scared people, my which face, is so funny. Yeah, gotta... You're the smiliest person I remember. I know. I know, so it was, yeah, it was pretty bad. So, we, so, you know, we were getting warmed up and I, all these movement things, I've been moving my, movement my whole life. I didn't know what to do to warm up. I was, I was like, maybe I'll watch Michelle Warnke. So I was watching her, like, doing, I don't know, these random things. Yeah, I couldn't even think about what to do. Yeah, I was so nervous. Oh, my but God. But I was so focused. My biggest focus was to try to get through the Quinn steps. What's, what's that exactly? Those are the Quinn, like, the, the, that's the first obstacle on the show. So that's where you're kind of, like, on, you're jumping from platform to platform. Oh, okay. I can yeah. visualize that. Mm-hmm. So that was my biggest goal because of my leg. I was so nervous about that because I couldn't really practice that as much. So I got through that, but then they had added a rope swing to it. So that was that year they added another element. So I got through that. And then when I got to the log drop, I was planning in my mind to do it all. So all the girls had really short shorts on. They had, you know, their their crop tops or their um, sports bras. So I was going to pull my pants up, pull my shirt out. Totally forgot that. (laughs) Totally forgot. And then I just went and I literally just stood into the water. (laughs) We're very gracefully. Very <laughs> oh my god! Said, what happened? All the you know the reporters. Oh, what happened? I said I don't really know, but I was so happy. It was such an amazing experience. It was awesome. That's yeah. so great, and what an amazing story too. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> yeah. What happens when you're nervous? Okay. Right, your whole everything goes out the window. <laughs> How do I warm up? <laughs> I know. How do I even do this? Oh my gosh. Um, That's so great. I love that you did that. This conversation is so incredible, but I wanted to take a moment and invite you to check out my Natural Solutions for Anxiety and Depression program. This is a 16-week long program that guides you step-by-step through resolving your anxiety and depression symptoms using science-backed natural methods to remove the physical stressors causing inflammation and chronic stress and adding back in the things that support healing and regulating your body, your brain, and your mind. It's the perfect complement to therapy or psychiatric support as this program is designed to heal the physical causes of your mental health issues. You would be so surprised how many root causes of depression and anxiety lie within the body from vitamin deficiencies, gut health issues, poor nutrient intake and digestion and absorption, food sensitivities, not cleansing and eliminating, yeah, eliminating toxins that build up aka not pooping, sweating, or menstruating regularly, to hormone imbalances. Even when a trauma 
is at the root of your symptoms, there is so much you can do to regulate and support your body and nervous system coming back into balance. In the program, I'll give you steps to address your issues with nutrition, amino acid supplementation, gut health support based on your needs, vitamin levels based on your needs, food sensitivities, and more. Enrollment is open for a limited time, and you can sign up or learn more using the link in the show notes for easy access. See you there, warrior. Okay, let's dive back into this inspiring conversation. Since then, anyway, you have been diving in like personally and professionally. I would imagine personally. I would love to ask you about that. About just evolving how you meet people where they're at. Mm -hmm. And getting a graduate degree in applied mindfulness, Mm -hmm. as well as... I guess, helping people through other methods that aren't aren't necessarily movement in a traditional sense of how people might think like exercise and cardio and weightlifting, but I view them as a form of movement, mm-hmm. um, like breath work and um, like vagus nerve um, activation and stuff like that. And I would really love to hear your like personal and professional views on that, um, like what made you decide to go into applied mindfulness and exactly what, what is that? And yeah, take it away. So I think my journey just kind of in, in the health field, we'll say, you know, start, started in fitness then nutrition, physical therapy. I, I realized through all that time and then my personal experiences as well. The sun is (laughs) in my face here. Can you still hear me? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, that I really started to see the emotional piece as really the the hardest, I should say, the aspect for most people that was never really addressed. And, you know, people might be coming into a fitness setting or they might be coming in because they want to get out of pain or they want to lose weight or, you know, get rid of inflammation. But meanwhile, they're experiencing a tremendous amount of stress and they don't have the tools to be able to regulate their nervous system. And I think when I, my journey is that, to just dial that in a hair, like a little bit, is that I'm a person that I've always been happy. I've always been pretty resilient. I feel like it's easy for me to like have something happen and then just keep going. But what I also realize is that I don't, I have to, to work to express my emotions. So I have to be able to dig deep to be able to say like, this is how I'm feeling. You know, like, am I frustrated right now? Or am I sad right now? And I know that for some people, they might think, oh, that's great that she's always happy. And and I genuinely feel that. But just like we both know, you hold your emotions in your body, right? So all of the trauma that I experienced when I was younger I just buried it away. And, you know, now I'm on my own path of trying to work towards freeing myself of some of that. And, and so with my patients, I've, I've realized that it isn't just one thing. It isn't just, we're going to practice mindfulness, or you should meditate, or you should breathe, or you should do vagus nerve. It's really trying to figure out what each person, what resonates with each person and how can they really own it? And how can they, you know, map their own nervous system and understand their own nervous system to be able to know exactly what they need? So I need to go move today. I need to go for a walk. 
or I need to go breathe or I need to just sit still and not do anything, not talk to anyone or, you know, have some downtime. And so that's kind of what led me down this path. And I, I wouldn't say I do it you know, it's not a, it's, it's always integrated into every session and every person that I work with. It might not be obvious, but it's always integrated. <laughs> it's obvious to me because I'm so in tune with it of, you know, Hey, how do you manage your stress? It's on my intake form. It's, you know, how they rate each aspect of their life. So it's always a way for me to continue to feel out where they are and then what they can do. That's like a whole other level of, meeting somebody where they're at of helping somebody um, even deeper than exercise, even deeper than movement, physical therapy, because like you said, you are helping them figure out their own nervous system, how to regulate their own stress levels and calm levels, Mm -hmm. and even having the ability or believing that you have the ability to do that is something that not many people realize. It Mm -hmm. can feel very much like you're a victim to whatever is happening or whatever is going on in your body. And I think it's, you might correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't it like quite new neuroscience information that we can even impact our um, autonomic nervous system? Yeah, I would say I would say yes and no. I think it's more um, it's more prevalent in terms of people talking about it, but I don't really think that it's new. Do you know what I mean? Because if we think about even like how like prep, how um, like from an evolutionary standpoint, like the dorsal vagal nerve, our primitive autonomic nervous system, versus like our ventral vagal nerve, which is our state of social engagement, our connection, our state of safety like it goes back so far and it's just I think now like Dr. Stephen Porge's work has been amazing in you know bringing it to light about how to understand our nervous system more and it's not just fight or flight or rest and digest it's it's you know looking at it more from a more complex perspective but I think now it's like all these people are kind of like oh yeah you can influence it like it isn't just is what it is and and I I realize that you know, people that are really suffering, I recognize that it's not just as easy as, oh, just do a vagus nerve stimulation exercise and everything's going to be fine. But I do believe like wholeheartedly that every person does have control over it. It's just learning how to get there. And that, that could take is, you know, as we said, it could be in so many different aspects. It could be, you know, and you've been posting a lot about this, but all of the physical drivers of why someone may be depressed or anxious, which are tons, nutrient deficiency, food triggers, you know, gut inflammation, there's thyroid issues, one of the most common. So there's so many physical drivers. And I think it's just understanding that could be physical, could be emotional, it's probably both. <laughs> and <Yep>. then <laughs> trying to just very slowly just, you know, kind of like peel the onion. You know, like, okay, let's add in some better stress management techniques, whatever they might be, getting a a little bit more sleep, 15 more minutes of sleep, doing five minutes of walking a day, getting some sunlight, whatever those things might be, but really trying to do, like I said, wholeheartedly believe you can get yourself out of that. And you're, you know, you can speak to that on many levels, I believe. 
I'm curious how, in your experience working with your patients, how you help teach them to feel that in their own body little by little. I know you mentioned like small increments of things, but are there any like prompts or questions that you find helpful or any other things like that? So sometimes what I'll do, so when I, when I look at their intake, I'll, like I said, I'll kind of get an idea of one, if they say that they're stressed or they say they're not stressed. That's always interesting (laughs) because most people that say no, if I start asking questions, they're extremely stressed. And so it's interesting to just see their perspective on it and what is stress to them. You know, is stress just sort of their normal baseline or is this something that, you know, yeah, like this is, I'm going through a really stressful time, going through a divorce right now or, um, so that's always kind of an interesting conversation to just really all I do is just dig in. I'll just say, oh, like I'll see what they check for their, their techniques that they use. But then I ask them, you know, almost as if the question isn't there. I'll just say, so what do you do? And, and then they might say, oh, well, you know, I might meditate for here and there. And, and then I'll just ask them a little bit more about that. You know, like, what does meditation mean to you? And that's, again, kind of interesting because it's a little different for each person and not that that's good or bad. And so then what I'll try to do is look at that person, look at their entire lifestyle and see what I think is going to be the most realistic and the most sustainable. So for example, I might say to one person, I might say, let's just start with, I'll teach them how to do diaphragmatic breathing. And I'll say, let's start with one minute of diaphragmatic breathing right before you go to bed. Just, you know, kind of lie in bed, just do one minute of breathing. If that, you know, if you're like, you're kind of getting into a routine, then I'd love for you to do every hour, take three diaphragmatic breaths. And so that might mean you have to take 10 breaths to get to three diaphragmatic breaths because it's, a, but I'll say that it's an, it's a way for you to be able to tune in to say like, what is happening in my body? And then, you know, create that parasympathetic response. So that might be one person. Another person, I might say like if they're doing Zoom meetings all day and are super stressed at work. I might have them do a vagus nerve stimulation where they're doing an ear release and they're just, you know, no one would even know what they're doing, but they're calming their nervous system and just kind of regulating it. Um, Another person, it could be explaining to them how their gut is influencing their mood. So it might be more specific, you know, if I really feel like that's the driver, I might be really honed in on that part of it. And then I'll transition into like having them do more, uh, more specific work. Maybe it's visceral release or something like that, where they're you know kind of tying the gut brain connection together. It's so, so fascinating. Yeah, yeah, thank you just, for that. You know, just to kind of yeah. Thank you for those really like specific examples. I don't know if you listen to podcasts, but whenever I do, and a expert like really digs in to giving examples of how they work with people versus just like the generalities. I'm always so appreciative. Um, So thank you for that. So let's talk about vagus nerve. So fancy. (laughs) I color it a her because I (laughs) give it a personality. And um, I am so interested in how, well, first of all, I kind of want to just like clarify what does it actually mean to regulate your own nervous system and then the benefits of activating the vagus nerve and how that all plays together. Okay. So I think to maybe start that, I think just we'll 
clarify the three, I'll add another one, but the three states that we could be in in our nervous system. So one would be our state of social engagement, which could mean that you are happy, but it could also just mean you're content. So just things are okay. They're not, they're not you know, disrupted. They're just okay. You're compassionate. You're curious. You're empathetic. You're grounded. So that's, of course, the state that we want to be in the majority of the time. Then we have the, the uh, fight or flight state. So if you're in the fight state, you would be more, I think, initially, you would kind of be frustrated, and then that would could escalate to more irritated, to more anger, and potentially rage. So you're like ready to, you're mobilizing. But the flight uh, would be you're worried, you're anxious, you're fearful, you're um, uh, ultimately kind of panic. It would be like that final state. And then our freeze state would be where you're overwhelmed, you're shut down, you're, you know, you feel like you're numb, you're depressed, that could be a suicidal state as well. And just to put it in perspective is that we could easily transition to those states in, in a moment. So we could, you and I could be out with friends and we're super excited to go out, we're ready to have a great time, so we're in that state of social engagement. And then everybody starts talking about the vacations that they're gonna go on. And all of a sudden, we're thinking, geez, well, we're not, we're not going on a vacation this year. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's time. So then we – so first, we're kind of frustrated that everyone's doing that. We go home, and now we're kind of upset. We're really down and just kind of feel like a little bit numb. So that's how quickly our nervous system can change. And I think that's really important for everybody to know because – we could, the problem is when we get stuck in that fight or flight state, when we get stuck in that freeze state, and we don't know how to, coming into the regulation, we don't know how to regulate to be able to get back. And one of um, Deb Dana is a really great resource. Uh, so she's kind of taken Dr. Stephen Porge's work of the polyvagal theory and really brought it to light in terms of mapping your own nervous system. And one of the things that she talks about is is how we can have glimmers and we can have triggers. So we can have glimmers of what brings us to the state of social engagement. So petting a dog or hugging a person, hugging someone you love, breath work, yoga, movement, something like that. Um, what brings you to that? What is that trigger that brings you to that fight or flight state? So is it that you feel disrespected? Is it that you feel undervalued? You know, what are the things? And then there could, you could break that down even more. I don't like when my husband, you know, doesn't put the dishes in the dishwasher the right way, <laughs> right? So it could be something specific, but what is the overall theme? And the same thing with the free state. So there you're beginning to understand, like, what, what is actually happening day to day and realizing where you are and what state you are, you're in all the time. So you should be able to, in a moment, say, oh, yeah, I'm in a state of social engagement. Things are good. doesn't have to be great, just good. You know, or you know what? I'm feeling super anxious right now. What is happening? Because most of the time, as you very well know, people don't even know if they are. They mm -hmm. don't even know if they're in that, you know, fight or flight state. They're just mm -hmm. kind of going on, you know, but they're constantly frustrated. They're constantly worried. They're constantly something. Um, so I think that's kind of the first part is just really understanding your nervous system. And then to regulate, it's really beginning to figure out what are those things that do bring you back to that state of social engagement. 
So it's going to look so different for every person because what brings you joy is going to be different than maybe what, maybe not, but what brings me joy, right? So it could be very, very unique and different. And it could be all the little things. It could be big things too. Like you could go on a vacation, but a vacation isn't realistic to change in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's great. And that can help reset you three times a year, but it's not something that you can manage on a moment to moment basis. Right. I love this so much because often, like you were saying, people are just kind of stuck in a state and it's usually, you don't get stuck in social engagement mode. (laughs) You get stuck in fight or flight or, yeah, Yeah. or numb mode and, or free, uh, freeze mode. And, um, before I really learned all of this, I, I think like many people just associated stress with a psychological state of mind. Mm -hmm. And it was, it, it was like a mindset. It was, psychology only up here in the in the mind that allowed you or made you either be in a good mood or be in a bad mood or be depressed or be anxious or be happy joyful and calm and learning about the nervous system and how we can influence it by learning about ourselves and then doing little things to activate the nervous system that we want to be in that feels the best for us in that moment is so much more empowering because it gives us more tools to be able to get ourselves there, to be able to help ourselves. And for me, it always feels more empowering, I don't know, to be able to do that physically than necessarily have to like work my thoughts to get there, which for me feels more difficult. Um, right. How do you feel about that? I totally agree with that. And that's kind of why I've tried to make it, I'm calling them biggest nerve hacks that I've presented on on social media because it's it's a way for you to hack your nervous system. It's a fun way to think about it. It's not necessarily, it's more of a word, you know, than anything else. But the but the the aspect that you just mentioned is it is a physical thing that that many people, as we've talked about movement, resonate with that, oh, I can do that, I can rub my pinky and that can create a relaxation response or I can do a foot release or pelvic floor relaxation. I can do these specific things and then, you know, feel like I'm back in that state of social engagement. And so I think it makes it more accessible to people, which is why I love that, you know, that the concept of it. It's just, it's not just, okay, I need to go to therapy. It's like, no, you can actually work on this all day long in little little bite-sized pieces that don't seem overwhelming, that seem like, okay, this, you know, this really works for me. And somebody could do 50 different ones or they could do, you know, pick one or two that they like. So yes, yeah, I totally agree with that. What are your some some of your favorite ways to activate vagus nerve? Yeah. So I would say one of my favorites is the ear release. Um, so the ear release, you could do a couple different things with it, but the vagus nerve is the branches are going to go into the ear. So it branches out into the ear. So you can do a little ear pull. So this is actually considered a craniosacral technique as well. So you just gently pull the ear down and out. And you would hold this for a period of time. It's not an aggressive pull at all. Typically what will happen is you'll have a, a, a relaxation response, which often comes in the form of a sigh, swallow, or yawn doesn't have to, but it could be one of those three things. Um, You can keep hanging out there. Then the next one is you go right in the top ridge of the ear, like right underneath the ridge here, and you're just doing really slow circles. 
Um, so that was great. And then right down as you're going in the eardrum, you would do the same thing. The same I need to cut my nails. I know it's hard with your, if you do have nails. If you have nails, I'd stick to this guy. If you, yeah. if you don't, you could do these two. Um, a lot of my patients really love that one because it's super accessible. And then one of my other favorite ones is called the basic exercise. This is by Stanley Rosenberg. This one, you know, you'll have to kind of lie down to do, but you can, you know, at least do it with me. So you interlace your fingers and you bring it right behind the back of your head. And then you're going to look with your eyes only the opposite direction. So once again, you hold that position until you sigh, swallow, or yawn. And then you bring it back to center and then turn and then the other direction. So you can, you said you have to do this laying down. You don't have to. No, I would say the first time I would do it laying down so that your, your nervous system is like, okay, like this is safe to do. Um, But then ultimately I do it actually just sitting a lot of times. I'll just kind of do it really quick. And I have the response so fast because my body kind of knows what to expect. Mm -hmm. So this one, you're using your eyes, the neurological connection of the eyes. Um, in addition to the hands on the back of the head, so you're bringing blood flow to the brainstem where the vagus nerve is exiting. And then often what happens is when we're not in a state of social engagement, the first two vertebrae aren't, we'll say, I don't want to say they're out of place. I, I don't like to use that terminology, but they're just not perfectly aligned. So when you do this, you can kind of retest and normally you're in a state of social engagement afterwards. How can you tell if you're in a state of social engagement? So there's there's a couple different tests. One, you can look at the uvula and the back of the mouth. So if you, uh, I'll kind of do it. I know you can't see me too well, but you open and you would go, ah, 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 ah. And the uvula that drops down right in the middle of the throat, it should be symmetrical on both sides. If it seems like it's shifted off to one side, it would mean that you're not in a state of social engagement. Um, so that's kind of the easiest self-test because you could just grab a flashlight and maybe a popsicle stick or pen or, or you know, tongue depressor and just kind of push your tongue down. And then you could just look in the mirror and be able to see that pretty easily. Another one that you would need a partner to do, and that's a little bit more subjective, so it's hard. It's called a trap squeeze test. So you'd look to see if one side is, you know, is a little bit um, more, uh, we'll say, sore than the other side. Um, but it's it's subjective and you kind of need to do it a lot for, I think, to, to get on a lot of different people to get the result. If you're trying to do it yourself, you can't really do that. Gotcha. And I've seen that you have, number one on your Instagram, like great videos mm-hmm. going through like 20 or 30 different vagus nerve hacks. Um, and they're short and they're really easy to follow. So guys definitely go to, is it at the movement paradigm? Uh, just yes at the movement paradigm yep. on Instagram and then also your website has some really great blogs on it with videos that take you through this information I actually did the ah, ah, ah test on myself and I notice <laughs> TMI I noticed that my uvula like the little ball always is pointed to one side okay interesting I know I'm like, so what you so what I would do then is I would I would do the do the test do the basic nerve exercise or the one mm-hmm. this one, and then just but give yourself time to have that response. So typically it's thirty to sixty seconds that you'll have that response, and then I would retest it right afterwards, and say okay. So you almost want to you know like test test retest right to so test do an intervention and then retest and see if it if it shifts just to see and then you'll you'll have to let me know and give me some feedback. 
Yeah, I will. Because I'm like, is it just like genetically like that? Or because I don't feel right in, you know, I, I know <laughs> when I'm not feeling, you know, when I'm in a fight or flight mode or for sure right. when I'm in a freeze mode. And I can say for the most part, I feel like in a social engagement mode or I can get myself back there. So I'm super curious about it. Yeah. So you'll have to try it. And yeah, I will. Um, what are just some of the benefits of doing this vagus nerve activation um, in terms of like just symptom relief of just like people who are just going through life, you know, maybe feeling anxious all the time or what other, I know that some diseases or some other like diagnosis or symptoms from gut health to um, just like pain in the body can be positively impacted when we do vagus nerve toning. So in your experience, what's that like? Yeah. So when we have higher vagal tone, we're going to be ultimately have a better state of well-being. So less inflammation, less uh, disease risk. So that's a really important aspect of it. So we want to be living in a higher vagal, vagal tone state. So think of it as we're doing these things. We're just like we're training our muscles. We're toning and tuning our nervous system. So as you mentioned, with certain conditions, one of the things I see a lot is, which is an umbrella term, which is dysautonomia, which is where people could have breathing issues, heart issues, gut issues, the inner, the vagus nerves innervating all of that. And so you, especially with COVID, with, with co people that have had COVID, with people that have had vaccines, I see, I've been seeing this a ton. So it's being able to to regulate all of those systems again. So you start to see these unusual heart issues that just come up that don't seem to have a real, you know, cause and effect. Something like that is like you're thinking vagus nerves is innervating the SA node of the heart. So if there's a gut issue, absolutely. You, you don't want to just treat gut issues and not treat the vagus nerve because that is like huge part of why a lot of times gut issues don't resolve is the neural component of it, whether that's an increase in the sympathetic drive and, and that like nerve plexi is, is really like integrating with the vagus nerve. So it could be a kind of an upregulation of that, but it could be downregulation of the vagus nerve. So it can affect so many things, but I would say to just like kind of the take home is that it's so accessible to be able to manage, if you just want to keep it simple, manage your emotional state. I think that's kind of just such an easy way to, to say it is that you're ultimately we're, we're talking about emotional and mental states. So you're being able to regulate kind of how you move through the world on a, on a much easier basis. Yeah. And these are things that probably our ancestors just their daily lives constantly did. They didn't even probably have to think about it. Or maybe they did stick their fingers into their ears. I don't know. But they were a lot more, you know, intuitive. intuitive. They were a lot more, they were moving more, period. Exercise is one way to activate vagus nerve. Um, breath work, intentional breath work is another way. So I imagine that this was always a part of our evolution. But since we've gotten so far away from what our lives have looked like over thousands and thousands of years, um, everything, like you said, gets stuck. The energy gets stuck. The activation of the nervous, of the nervous system gets stuck. 
And this is one way, one really powerful way, and quite easy when you see how basic these techniques are, these hacks are, of really making a powerful difference. And I, like you just said, you do it so often that your, your nervous system is now trained because you practice it so much that it gets there faster. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And I think just to add to that is that the difference now is that we have so many more stressors, right? So mm. with social, and we could go on and on, you know, about what they are, but so many more pressures, expectations, pressures that, you know, our ancestors ever had. I mean, not that they didn't have those things, but it was just part of what they did. It was their work. They were active, like you said. And now it's just so many, so many things that are just kind of thrown on us. So when people ask me how much should I do, I say as much as you need to do. You know, if you have a lot of stress in your life, you got to do more of these things. You know, it's not just, oh, do three sets of 10. It's how often do you need to regulate? And the more you understand your nervous system, then the more you know how much you need to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really, really incredible. So you're actually creating a course or a program yep. all about how people can learn about their vagus nerve. And do you want to share a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. yeah. So part of it will be an online portion where I have all of the, the hacks, very easy to do videos, how-tos. And then the other portion is going to be six live calls that will be recorded. And we're going to really just dive deep into different aspects of polyvagal theory, a concept of neuroception, um, looking at safety, connection, how you can, you, you can regulate your emotions. And so understanding the concepts, but then my goal is to have you have everyone with really accessible tips to, tr to integrate into their lives. So to take that information and say like, okay, this is how I'm going to apply it today. Not, you know, oh, I'll do this next week or next month. So it really, I'm hoping is going to be, I'm super excited about it. So it's been really fun to pull all this, you know, research and information together. And I can't wait to share it with everybody. That's going to be such a great program. I'm yeah. like, I, I want to do it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> it's going to be so good. Is it for anyone specifically? Um, so no, it's really just, I, you know, I think I'm going to have some professionals, but then I think it's, it's also going to be just, you know, general population looking, I think, you know, just like any of us, it's sort of when you're, when you're open to it and you're receptive to it, something comes. And I think that's where everybody is. I actually have a doctor from a psychiatrist from Pakistan who's going to be joining. So that was really cool, cool to see somebody that like, really wants to integrate this into his work too. Yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be awesome. Um, I'm, I'm sure you're excited for that. Yes. Where can people sign up? Yep. So I have right now, if you go to my Instagram page, uh, right in the link, it's the Vegas Nerve Program and you can sign up there. Early bird is until the 7th. And then I don't know when this is going to be out. Um, Probably next Monday. Okay. So if anybody that's listening uh, is interested, you can reach out to me and I'll make sure you get the early bird pricing. Awesome. Thank you for that. And I'll put the links in the okay. show notes so you guys can find them there. And then we'll close it out. Um, is there anything that's coming up for you that you're just really excited about? What are you doing next? Uh, so right now I am studying for my functional medicine boards through the Institute of Functional Medicine. <laughs> 
that's my, my next so big great. thing. So yes, I finished all my coursework and um, planning to do that. When are you taking the test? Uh, April. April. So, Coming up. I'm sure you're going to pass it easily. Yeah, it's a lot of information, so I'm just going to do my best. <laughs> I just, um, I'm taking the the main course. I don't know what it's actually you, called. Like yeah, the, the long. ASM. Yes, that one. <laughs> yeah. Good, good. That's awesome. And starting um, next week in January, okay. it starts. I'm so excited. I took the hormone one a year ago. Okay. It's so much information. It's so much information. I know. So it's, yes, it's a little overwhelming. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, and I like to study. (laughs) Like I like this stuff and doing it on your own for sure is a little bit overwhelming versus being in like a classroom environment. Right. Right. But it's been awesome though. It's been such an amazing journey. Yeah. It's completely changed everything that I do. So good luck on that. I know you're going to do great. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you for your time and for your like wonderful vulnerability, your wonderful just experience. And I just want to say like a personal thank you for, I don't know, I feel like people like us, we kind of just tackle these things and it just kind of feels like, of course, this is what I'm going to do. <laughs> but I just want to say like thank you for your courage and your resilience and all of that to move through get through everything that you've been through so that you could like show up and give this to the world thank you so much Christine it's such an honor to be here I love I'm so proud of you and I'm I like I said earlier I love you to death so super excited to be here thank you so much for having me thanks (laughs) all right everybody we'll see you next week and um, definitely go check out the Vegas Nerve program on themovementparadigm.com. Bye.